Good morning. Good morning, man. What a great worship set. Um, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, we are the light of the world as you've called us to be. And Jesus, I pray uh, that as we've sung and, and we praised and worshiped you, Lord, that as, as we now look into your word and we see the truths of your word, God, that you would uh, just continue that, that entire idea um, and you would inspire us and you would mobilize us for your kingdom. Jesus, you've called us to be the light in this dark world. And so, Father, I pray uh, that your spirit uh, would continue to move through this place and you would move us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've, uh, we've been talking about exactly what that song was singing about, uh, that last song there, um, about having this missional lifestyle and about how the mission is close and far and what that really means for us uh, as believers uh, in our neighborhoods, in the larger region, and in around the world. And so our call from Jesus is, is to go into the world and to share the good news uh, of the gospel um, within our neighborhoods as well as uh, extending out. And we need to practice seeing missions, that, that missions idea as a part of our everyday. Uh, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, that our everyday calling as Christians is actually to be missionaries, as Jesus was very much that in all that he did. And much of that uh, comes from some of the uh, missional uh, scriptures, and we looked at some of those last week, and this, and this was one that uh, I'm just going to get right into it, is in Acts 1.8. And so if you want to follow along in the Bible app, you can certainly do that. If, you, uh, if you're watching online uh, or you're here, you can pull up the Bible app on your phone or device, and you can follow along with the notes there. If you've got a physical Bible, by all means, I actually have one today. Um, believe it or not, I own one. So, because um, you've never seen me use one, but today you will. And anyway, here's the, uh, here's the verse that we're going to start with, and this, and this is huge, this is important. Acts 1.8, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we know that, uh, that he's really saying, start at home and work your way out. We've said that many, many times. Um, and, and so that idea to start at home and work our way out, though, with the power of the Holy Spirit guiding us and directing us and giving us uh, the, the power to do what he's called us to do. And so remember that this statement was said to everybody. This was said in a group setting. This wasn't said to just a couple of individuals. This was said to all of the disciples of Jesus that were there at this moment. Because right after he said this, Jesus ascended. And so this was the last thing that he said before the ascension to heaven, and we know that we are still waiting now for Jesus to come back uh, and to take us home, and what an awesome, awesome day that is gonna be. But while we're here, we have a job to do. We have a mission, and this very much informs what that mission is of sharing the good news. And so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna look at really the aftermath of this in a sense, and, and what happened there, and how that can inform us as the church. And so last week we said that love of our neighbors compels us toward the mission. Love of our neighbors compels us toward the mission. And I hope that you do have love for your neighbor. And I hope that your, your neighbor, uh, yes, the person living next door to you, but also just in your neighborhood and, and those around us, uh, those in our, in, our, uh, in our community are our neighbor. And that our love for our neighbor should compel us toward the mission. And so hopefully we do that and that we have realized that there is a mission field in our backyard. 
Because there is. There is a mission field in our backyard. In fact, you could argue that one of the biggest mission fields on the planet is in our public high schools. 64,000 high schools in the United States. And students are there for about eight hours a day. What an opportunity to mobilize the next generation for the cause of Christ. You want to talk about a missions field that is, that is fertile soil. And when we talked last week about the idea of, of having this habit of hospitality and, and, and prayer walks and all of those kinds of things in, in our neighborhoods and praying for our neighbors, boy, we should be praying for our students in high school and mobilizing them as well and in middle schools, um, all, you know, all, all the way there because what an incredible opportunity that they have uh, for the cause of Christ. And so that habit of hospitality and prayer walks and those kinds of things, we need to be mobilized as the church, as the church as a whole. And so what does that look like? That's a really good question. And it's not a cut and dry answer. And so we're going to kind of take a look at that right now. So as we do, I want you to consider with me for a moment the brilliant comedy of the genius of Wiley Coyote for a minute who's amazing as we know brilliant man and he's always chasing the roadrunner he's not a man he's a coyote I get it but he's always chasing the roadrunner and he's always got these large batches of TNT and huge mallets and such and apparently a limitless budget um, or he's in debt at Acme big time and so that's a whole nother thing but Every episode, after episode, after episode, he uses these big tools and these big things that never produce the results that he wants. The Roadrunner outsmarts him every single time. And all the coyote ends up doing is smashing stuff and making a mess and embarrassing himself, and he's still hungry. And we love it. And it's the best. But part of the problem is that he's using these big tools all on his own. He's doing this all on his own, which is why he finally, at the end of the episode, gives up until the next one. And if he just had a couple of friends, if he had a couple of friends that devoted themselves to the mission the way that he has, if he had a couple of friends that would put themselves aside and work together with him, I bet they wouldn't even need that stuff from Acme. Real coyotes, by the way, are very social animals and they live and work together in family groups they, they're not even considered packs they're, they consider themselves into, into family groups or they don't but scientists do family groups but they will even hunt cooperatively with other species they will get together with another species and hunt together all under the common mission right if they need to sounds a lot like the kind of principles and perspective that maybe the church needs to adopt a little more often, doesn't it? So last week, we also talked about how we define a disciple and how a disciple can be defined this way as someone who is learning to be more like Jesus every single day. Learning to be more like Jesus every single day. And with that in mind, what does that mean when it comes to sharing the good news of Jesus with others? Because it's easy to think of missions and it's easy to think of evangelism as big tools that we hope are gonna work out, like a big mallet to smash <laughs> the roadrunner, right? And so we're always looking for ways to kind of maybe bring the hammer down in some ways. 
And we can feel overwhelmed because when we think about the mission and we think about the amount of people that we know that are in our lives that need Jesus and how tough that can be to share with people because the task is huge, let's be honest. But being like Wiley Coyote is not the way that God intended us to treat our faith and connecting other people to Jesus. In fact, we should actually be a little bit more like real coyotes um, and rely on each other and rely on our God-given abilities and most of all, on the Holy Spirit of God. But it's not about bringing down the hammer or, you know, putting the mallet down or, or let, let's use a couple of phrases here that we hear often. It's not about changing the culture. It's not about changing the world. While those sound great, but those have the sound of like conquest or takeover. And that's not how Jesus called us to reach this world is not through conquest or takeover. At least not in that sense. If you skim a few books, a few history books, you'll see that that's not the right approach at all. It's actually many small things that make the difference. Isn't it funny because the disciples actually looked at Jesus and said, when are we going to take over? When are you going to drop the hammer, right? And he was like, you don't get it. That's not what this is about because Jesus changed people one person at a time, a couple people at a time by investing in them, by loving them, by spending time with them. And that's, that's how we're called to make a difference as well as the church, small conversations, being there to answer questions and to just be present. See, the power doesn't come from our, our tools, but by the Holy Spirit and by the power of relationship. That, that is learning to be more like Jesus every day. Tools and methods of sharing our faith are helpful and, and great, absolutely. I know quite a few of them. I've taught quite a few of them. And they are helpful, but loving our neighbor, listen to me, loving our neighbor isn't a tactic. It's just love. It's just love. And when we are compelled by that love, then we share the good news that we know with them because we truly, genuinely love them. Not because it's a big box of TNT. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to be honest with you, we're going to be looking at almost the whole chapter of Acts chapter 2 today, which is why I've got my physical Bible with me, because we're going to read a majority of it um, all at once. And so I want you to be able to follow along with me. And let me set this up, though, because here's where we are. Here's the situation. It's the day of Pentecost. It's the day of Pentecost, which is 50 days after Passover, 10 days since Jesus' ascension. So it's been 10 days since Acts 1-8 was spoken, and Jesus ascends 10 days later, and the promise of the Holy Spirit is fulfilled at the beginning of this chapter in the moment, and the, and the disciples of Jesus, they're all together, and they're sharing the same heart, the same trust in Jesus, and, and the same space when this happens. So they're all together, 120 people are all together. Sometimes we think of this moment and we just think of a couple of people together, but it wasn't. It was 120 people together, right? All in, in one place. And it says that a rushing wind comes in, comes into the room and tongues of fire show up on their heads, whatever that means and whatever that looks like, as a representation of the Holy Spirit showing up and the people begin to speak other languages. 
And this is, this is nuts. At least a dozen other languages are being spoken and accounted for here. Different nationalities are hearing them and, and, and hearing them in their own language. And the people are praising God in their native tongue, which is insane. If you think about it, to hear all this going on, it's, it's incredible. And so they're in this upper room, which was most likely in the temple courts there. Um, and this was probably a really, really big upper room with porches and stuff to be able to go out. This wasn't in like somebody's house because nobody's house is big enough for that um, necessarily. But um, they're, so they're up in this upper room and, and, you know, open windows and all of these kinds of things. And everybody that's out there in the area, about 3,000 people are in these temple courts, hear this going on. And they're like, what is, what is happening? And, and so all these people are there day of Pentecost and all of this, and they're hearing this stuff going on. And so they start congregating and crowding around and listening. And they're like, what, what is happening? And so some people are saying, this is amazing. This is incredible. I can't believe this. Then you got other people that are like, they must be like wasted. These people must be like trash and crazy. They're, they're nuts. What's going on? Because people make fun of people, right? It's what we do. And so you know that that's happening. And then, so all this is going on. All these different languages are being spoken. And then Peter stands up and he hushes the crowd. And he hushes the crowd and now all the languages stop and he speaks and he's speaking in Greek here. He's speaking the common language and he's a representative of the whole group of apostles and disciples that are there. And he stands up, hushes the crowd and begins to speak and then it happens. Church. Church happens. The church has church. And I want you to listen to what Peter says. I want you to listen, and I want to read his entire message to you. In Acts 2, 14 through 37, I'm going to read the whole thing. It says this, Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. I love that. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even, of my, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. David said about him, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life and you will fill me with your joy in your presence. 
Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah and that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. Uh, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to, the heaven, uh, to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other disciples, the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do? So compelled by love and purpose, Peter stands up to speak on behalf of the group. And, and he starts off with, listen, we're not drunk, um, so let's stop that. And instead, let's have a Bible study. And then he quotes from Joel, he quotes from Psalms, Psalm 16 and Psalm 101. And so Peter preaches here at Pentecost, and, and what we'll see in a second is thousands are converted. Thousands come to know Jesus in this moment. But I want you to notice for a second, I want to take, take a step back. I want you to notice what he didn't do and what he didn't have. No big tools, no crazy tactics. And quite frankly, no plan going in. He had his story. He had their story because he talked a little bit about his story. He talked about their story, which was common ground, right? And then he had, uh, and then he talked about the story of Jesus and he did it all through the word of God. And most importantly, he had the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was with him and Peter relied on the Holy Spirit in that moment. And it wasn't planned by the apostles this was a divine appointment. They were like, hey, you know, they weren't like, hey, you know what? Let's set up this whole thing because we know everybody's going to be here. So let's have this. No, that wasn't, that wasn't their plan. They were, they were still in hiding to a degree. They were still trying to figure out what they were going to do here. And so this was a divine appointment by the Holy Spirit of God. And you know what? The team was ready to go because they were unified together. And they were being guided by the Holy Spirit of God. And you know what? Your opportunity, your opportunity to share the good news of Jesus is not going to be planned either, more than likely. You're more than likely not going to be, not, not going to have this time to plan when that conversation is going to happen. It's just going to happen. And you're going to have to rely on the Holy Spirit of God in that moment. You're going to have to rely on him because you can't plan it. They asked what they should do. Because as you see, it says it cut to the heart. Right? This story cut to the heart. And so they, they, they say, well, then what do we do? And his response was really simple. Let's go to verse 38. He says, People rep uh, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, 
for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So a couple of things first. First he says repent. And repent doesn't just mean to feel sorry. That's not what that means. Repent doesn't mean to just feel sorry, but it means to change your mind or change your direction, to turn around. See, the people had thought a certain way about Jesus before, and, and they, the way that they thought of him was they considered him worthy to be crucified. That was how they thought about him before. And so now he's saying, you need to turn your thinking around about Jesus because he is Lord and Messiah, and here's all the proof. You've seen it. You've seen him. And then he says to believe and be baptized. Believe and be baptized, meaning, what he's saying by this, align your life with Jesus and be marked by the sign and symbol of baptism as a representation of your new life as a follower of Jesus. To, to have an outward symbol of the inward commitment that you've made in your heart. And so essentially he's saying this, if you really mean it, if you really mean it and you're all in, then you'll get all in the water as a symbol of his burial and resurrection because you see, this is a symbol of your burial and resurrection spiritually. Amen. And then here's what happens. Let's go to the next verse. Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Get your head around that. 3,000 people were added to the church that day. 120 becomes 3,120 that day. Not because of Peter, not because he had, you know, had planned this and had great things to say and all of that. No, no, no. It was because of the Holy Spirit of God using him and the Holy Spirit of God using the church to be the church. Yes, Peter was the main mouthpiece for just a little bit. But do you think he personally baptized 3,000 people? No way. See, it takes all of us. It takes all of us. Now, was, was this a big mallet from Acme? Maybe, kind of. But you know what? It took the whole church to come together and to mobilize to be the church. I believe it took all 120 to jump in to make this happen. It had to have. You know, on Sundays... It takes 60 plus volunteers to make a Sunday happen. Easy 60 plus, and a majority of them do it every single week. It'd be great to get a rotation. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of people behind the scenes right now that are as much a part of sharing the gospel every single Sunday as I am. Some of them are sitting right there. Some of them are sitting back there. Some of them were up here just a, a few minutes ago. Some of them you can't even see. Some of them are with your kids and mine. Some of them are holding the door for you and saying welcome as you walked in. All of those things are all as big a part of sharing the gospel every Sunday morning as what's happening right now. In fact, without a majority of them, this couldn't be happening right now. We call them the dream team because it takes teamwork to make the dream work, right? Right? And they're as big a part of the culture of Connect Church as anyone that you see on this stage. And we need more of you to jump in and to help. 
media team, welcome team, kids ministry, worship team, the list goes on. Connectchurch.xyz slash dream team if you're interested and want to get want to jump in and be more involved there. Absolutely. Please do. We need you. Yeah, you. Who's thinking, no, nah, not me. There's not a place for me. Yes, actually you. Because listen, there there's this kind of unsaid thing that maybe you've heard before. 10% of the people do 90% of the work. That's kind of a thing among church leadership. Um, and it's not just here, it's everywhere um, that you'll hear that. I've also heard the stat 20, 2080. It doesn't matter. Point is, that's not that far off of what actually happens. And you know what? I think we should be the exception to that rule. I think we should switch that. I think that should be backwards that maybe 80 or 90% do 100% of the work. And you know what? When that is not the norm, when the, when the 1090 is not the norm, you know what you get? You get results like the early church got because it took all of them to jump in to get involved for that to happen. God works through his word. God works through his Holy Spirit to bring people to himself. And we are all invited to be kingdom ambassadors through the power of the Holy Spirit. All of us. And why can I say that? Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Acts 2, 42 through 47 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Added to their number daily. That 3,100 kept on going. That kept on going. Why? Because of the simple basic values and community involvement. The early church values, they taught and learned the word of God. They, they devoured it. They dove in to the word of God. They shared time together in worship and in community. They were devoted to communion and to prayer and to each other. And they gave to others and they served their community. You know, I asked at the very beginning, what does it look like to be mobilized? What does it look like to be mobilized? This is it. This is it. This is simple, and this is it. And we get way too complicated with it. We get way too complicated. I've talked about this before. The KISS method that I learned in art school, keep it simple, stupid. We overcomplicate what this is supposed to be way too often, myself included. Right? This starts here and, and, and works its way down. I don't do this enough. We need to get back to the basics sometimes a little more often. That's what the early church did. And it started with unity and it started with togetherness. Because it's not about being able to answer everyone's questions or to wax philosophically or to have every single theological answer. If you think that's what it's going to take to reach people, that's not what it's going to take. It's really just about being present. It's about being with people. It's about loving people and connecting them to Jesus with the basics of the faith. And the Holy Spirit, listen, the Holy Spirit is going to give you the right words at the right time if you're relying on him. You just saw that with Peter. He didn't have notes. 
And he brought up a whole bunch of scripture that he quoted just off the top of his head. Yeah, is that kind of a cultural thing for, for Jews that they, that they have tons of scripture memorized? Yeah, but he didn't, he didn't stand up and talk and have a bunch of notes. The Holy Spirit inspired him and he said, let's do this. Let's go. Here we go. And, and the Holy Spirit used him and spoke through him. Because you know what? It's about connecting people to Jesus and it's about uh, something that we are all part of together. Because we are. It's about all of us. One of our values, it's on the wall over there, says that we believe life change happens best in community. We believe life change happens best in community. Our lives are changed so much more in circles than they are in rows. This is important, don't get me wrong. But the, the, the life change that happened, we saw as was described in Acts 2, 42 through 47 there, talked about how they came together in homes and they grew and, and, and loved each other and, and grew and, and gave to each other. And yeah, collectively came together in the temple courts, absolutely all those things. But you know what? This is a core value of ours is that we believe life change happens best in community. And when we value community, which is a lot of what the early church values were centered around, you will inevitably, inevitably find people wanting to be a part of that. People want to be a part of that. Others will see the life change in you, which is the Holy Spirit of God. And then the opportunity to share what Jesus has done for you will overflow out of that. I'll give you a little equation. We is greater than me. We is greater than me. It, we gotta be careful to remember that we are all essential and we are all a part of what God is doing in and through his church. All of us. You'll notice good leaders use uh, language that's a little more in the, in the vein of we and us and team way more than they use words like I, me, or mine. Togetherness, unity, it's essential for us to be the church. Paul knew it. The apostle Paul knew it. He knew it and he learned it from the early church leaders that came out of the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts and then he emphasized it to the church in Corinth when he said this in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12, he says, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concerns for each other. Doesn't that sound like what we just read? If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part. And this is easy to say and really hard to do. We don't always get this right. I don't always get this right. But we have to remember that it's the power of the Holy Spirit that compels us to share the gospel. And from that power, the church, which is God's agent for renewal, in the world welcomes others of every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. And that even means other churches and other believers. We should work with them as well. We should work with them as well. Think of what we could do as the body of Christ if we worked together more often, if it, listen, it's not about us versus the church down the street. It's about the body of Christ. If we all came together and worked together more often, think about how much more we could do for the kingdom of God. See, it's not about our brand or our logo. It's about Jesus. It's, it's all about Jesus. There's a sign over the door when you walk out of the lobby, when you leave here. It's been up there for a while. 
So maybe we get used to it and it's just white noise, but I want to encourage you to look at it again because it's been up there for a while. It says, you are essential, be the church. You are essential, be the church. And that was written for all of us individually and for all of us as a group. The we are essential to be the church and being the church invokes the idea of we and us and team. And together, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of unity, we can do more together than any one individual, family, or church could do on their own. And so that's why the connection point for the day is this, is that we can do more together than we can apart. We can do more together than we can apart. Listen, this is a mantra of ours. This is something that you've heard me say, you know, a few times. This is something you're going to hear a whole lot more of as we move forward because this idea comes straight out of 1 Corinthians 12. And this idea is something that we should live out and that should pour out of us, is that we can do more together than we can apart. This is a mantra not just of Connect Church, but of the church, the church of Jesus. Sharing what Jesus has done for you the mission that he's given us and treating others with hospitality and then partnering with others to to spread the gospel and to share the gospel beyond our neighborhood, but yes, in our neighborhood. Praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to move and to wake people up to the truth of Jesus Christ and of God's word. That's what happened in Acts 2 and I believe that's what we have the opportunity to do here now as well in our community where we're planted. And you know what? Trying to do this on our own was never part of the plan. Doing this on your own, doing this on my own, it's never part of the plan. Church family is a phrase that we use a lot here. It's a huge phrase for us, and it should be. I love my church family. I love you guys. And I truly mean that. And if you aren't involved in your church family, I want to encourage you to do that. Because as you've seen through the word of God, through the story of the early church, what happens when we all come together and we all come together and can be used, you see amazing results for the kingdom. And so if you're not involved in serving somewhere, if you're not involved in a life group somewhere or both, there are tons of opportunities for these things. In fact, there's a ton of opportunities for these we're going to be kind of relaunching life groups a little bit here in a few weeks. And so if you're not involved in a life group, I, I want you to be ready. And I want you to think about it and I want you to pray about it. Because as I said, we, we grow better in circles than we do in rows. This is important for us to edify and lift each other up and encourage each other, no doubt about it. But this is where you grow in your faith. Is these times where we're really together with other believers. We saw a whole lot of growth yesterday in the, in the men's breakfast that we had. We had over 70 guys there and guys meeting together in small groups and tables and talking and it was great. It was awesome. If you weren't there, I hope that you'll join us next time. Next time we do it. But you know what? It's a great way to bring people into your community, in your community to Jesus is through a life group because you may have some people in your neighborhood that you may be able to invite to your house that would never darken the door of a church. So if you're not involved in a life group, I can't encourage you enough to really pray about that. It's what the early church did. They met together in homes and then they got together on a bigger scale as well. But really where they grew was when they were meeting together in their small groups. It's an easy invite, guys. 
And if you're interested in that, jump on the, jump on the website. There's a button on the, on the left side that says next steps. You can click that, click on find a life group, and uh, we'll see what we can do to get that going and get you plugged in somewhere. There's tons of next steps right there on that button. Serving on the dream team, that's another next step. You're never more like Jesus than when you're serving others. And there are tons of opportunities for you to jump in and to get involved. Tons of opportunities. So click on that button, that next steps button on the website and see what all there is for you to jump in and get involved in. It's a really good way to really live out your faith because you are never more like Jesus than when you're serving. And Easter's coming. Easter's coming in a few weeks. We've got our Easter schedule up. We've got different invites on the website and, uh, and different things on, on Facebook for you to invite people. We've still got a bunch of these cards and I'll keep printing them as long as you keep taking them. So keep taking them, keep using them. Strike up conversations. It's an easy conversation starter, especially right now in this season that we're in as we're close to Easter. It's an easy invite. So take advantage of that as well. But here's the thing. You're not on your own. We're never on our own. We have a church family. We have a church family that we're, that we're a part of. And we've got the Holy Spirit of God, more importantly, living inside of us that walks with us and empowers us when he gives us those opportunities to share. And if you don't maybe have a church family, maybe you feel like you're all by yourself. Can I tell you that there's a God that loves you and a church that welcomes you? And we would love for you to be a part of the kingdom community, community of God. And that anyone and everyone is invited and welcome. Will you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you so much for the truth of your word. I thank you for the way that your Holy Spirit uses us and can use us. And Lord, I pray that all of us would be open to being used for your glory, to serve in some way, shape, or form. Yes, Peter was the mouthpiece on that day, but it took the whole rest of, the, of all the disciples there to, to make all of that happen and for all those 3,000 people to come to know you and for the church to grow and expand through that. And Father, I know that we can see that through Connect Church, but more importantly, through your church as a whole on this earth. And so Jesus, I pray that you would use all of us, all of your followers, to make an impact for the kingdom. And God, that you would help us to start at home and work our way out. Father, if there's one here that doesn't know you, if there's one watching online, that they feel alone, they don't feel like they're part of any kind of community. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak to them, that you would open their hearts and that they would know that they are loved and they are welcome and that you're standing there with your arms wide open. So Lord, I pray that they would maybe take that step to get their questions answered, to go down that journey, to maybe become a part of the family of faith today. Father, I pray that you would use us as we have prayed starting at the beginning of the year, even up through now. Jesus, I pray that we would all really own this idea of this mission field in our backyard and really understanding that we can do so much more together than we can apart. Use your church today, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.